Welcome to Work is Calling, where we will learn the experiences and insights of business leaders who see their careers as a calling from God. What is important about seeing your career as a calling? Work is fulfilling whenever we sense success, but let's face it, success can and usually is fleeting. What if instead of targeting success, we seek fulfillment? A sense of calling makes serving God your purpose. That shift can actually lead you to a sense of fulfillment regardless of success. Let's listen to the stories of those who have made the shift and have experienced this. Well, hello. Welcome to Workers Calling. My name is Wayne Kuna, the founder and president of Soul Priority, a ministry that coaches women and men in business how to transform their careers and workplaces through biblical principles. Today's guest is Dave Lacine, someone I got to know when launching Soul Priority. Dave, welcome to Work is Calling. So glad that you're here with us today. It is great to be here and to be with you, Wayne. Oh, man, that's terrific. You know, we're going to take the first part of uh, this uh, podcast just to have you fill us in a little bit about yourself to give our listeners uh, an introduction so they kind of get to hear you as an acquaintance and not as a stranger. So go for it. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Dave. Well, I am, uh, as as Wayne said, I'm Dave Lacine. I'm currently uh, C12 Principal Chair for Chicago, Southwest, and Northwest Indiana. But more than that, I'm married 45 years. Woo! I've got uh, two adult children, six grandchildren, and uh, really enjoying this uh, part of life right now. That sounds terrific. Yeah, grandkids are awesome. They're really terrific. So um, let me ask you a couple things. Um, what uh, what kind of roles do you, you – I mean, you've had a very career path, as I have, so what are some of the things that uh, we're just starting, you know, you've obviously ended up at C12. What was some of the road ahead of that? Well, it was a long path to get to C12. I was 34 years in the insurance industry, particularly the, as an independent agent with an independent agency uh, with a focus on mergers and acquisitions. And, and over that period of time, I was president of a couple different companies, as well as our state association for a time and um, was very, very entrenched in um, the uh, local business in, in Illinois, uh, in the insurance industry, and really enjoying it. Hmm. So uh, I'd like to hear a little bit of, uh, well, how would you describe yourself? Are there a couple words, or maybe I should ask how Robin would describe you? <laughs> Depends <laughs> on the day how Robin would describe me, but um, yeah, I would say... Uh, you know, if someone was asking me what, how would I describe myself, it would probably be at this stage of life, a listener, uh, one who hopes to bring presence with others and uh, being a safe person to talk to. Wow, that's that's great. I didn't know, I realized we have to have lunch and I could talk to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so Wayne, there's some things we need to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, so uh, what interesting things are about yourself that maybe not so many people know about except they'll find out you know as soon as you tell us i'm i'm not sure if there's anything too interesting about me actually when i thought about that question um but uh i was actually raised in stickney illinois for the first 12 years of my life and um which i call a suburb of berwin illinois so that's how small stickney is 
But um, then my uh, dad was transferred over in the in the uh, company he was in to the state of Maine. So I lived in Maine for a couple oh, years, wow. and then came back yeah. to Illinois uh, in the in the area, actually in Elmhurst. So where we're where we're at right now, where you and I are talking. So um, yeah, do you uh, maintain any of the uh, the Maine accent? No, I never acquired that, but no. I certainly was considered to be a foreigner having a, a Midwestern Chicago accent, that's I for bet. sure. I bet. What are some of your favorite pastimes or hobbies? Well, uh, one of the things that I really like to do, I love our local arboretum here, Morton Arboretum, which is pretty well known. I uh, love to bike there. One of the things that is important to me is having a rhythm in my life. So uh, when the when the Saturday is right to to go there after some biking and just to spend the morning enjoying God's creation, journaling, reflecting, rejuvenating, just kind of even a mini retreat for the week. Do you have anything on your bucket list that uh, hasn't been unbucketed yet? You know what? I was talking to my wife about that. I said, you know what? The only thing that occurs to me on the bucket list is to finish well. Uh-huh. I don't. I'm, I'm not one of those that has a list. We have to do all these things before the end is here, but more of a focus on how do you finish well and demonstrate that to others, and that is my hope and prayer. Well, now that you've kind of moved over to the spiritual side of the equation, uh, do you have a, a life verse or maybe a favorite Bible story or parable that just kind of resonates with you? And why would why do you think that is the case? Well. Yeah, there's a story behind this verse, and I'm sure um, that anyone who's listening, if this is your life verse, you'd be the first person that I would meet that would have this life verse. Um, it's Exodus one twelve. So Wayne's even looking with this puzzled look, who knows the Bible really well. He's like, Exodus one twelve. So it goes as this, as they were afflicted, they multiplied and grew. And um, that's an unusual verse. But there's something behind it. It, it is, and it's it's a, a verse my wife and I both carry with us. Goes back um, to the actually to the 70s when my wife and I were wrestling with a lot of things. Part of our history is how God's uh, taken our marriage from ashes to uh, a beautiful, beautiful thing. Uh, being married 45 years, um, but. Uh, during that time, we we were struggling, and I had been reading this book called Hear His Voice, uh, which probably is not even in existence right now, but I still have a copy of the book. And it was just about uh, this person that felt he would hear the Lord speak and just keep it on his mind till till the right moment, but he'd always write it down. He happened to be at a uh, local church here speaking, and I told Robin, I said, you know, I think we got to go hear this person. He's... It's, he sounds very interesting. And just a footnote on this person, he later became an advisor to two of the presidents of the United States. Um, but little did he know that was going to happen at that time, and that a more important event would happen, him speaking into our lives. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> anyway, yeah. Uh, at least from my perspective. Um, so um, we walk into this church, and all of a sudden, and, he's, and we're late, and he's uh, up front, speaking already and he pauses and he stops and he just said uh you know i have it written down right here woman in a blue scarf young couple walking in the church and he says i i just feel like god's given me a scripture and i'm like 
what on earth? But it was part of my curiosity in reading this book because it wasn't the typical hocus pocus, but just impressions he would have, and he'd just write it down and wait till uh, see if the Lord might confirm it some way. And here we come walking in the church, and he even had a hat on his note, walking church late, woman in blue scarf, and then he had the scripture, Exodus one twelve. So um, he comes up, and I'm expecting this great word from God about you know. You will prosper and grow, and um, and that while that might still be the fact, the fact is it was the scripture Exodus one twelve, and I'm, I felt like saying, "Don't you have anything else?" <laughs> and so that became a very important verse for us because uh, over the next few years, we had both of our fathers passed away in their fifties. We were in a severe car accident that could have killed my wife, and at that time, my seventeen month old uh, firstborn. Um, and went through a lot of things, and that verse kept coming back to us that God is going to use this for our growth, for our good, for his glory. And um, so that verse has stuck with us, and that is certainly a principle of Scripture that through the valleys, through the difficulties, through the challenges, God refines us, forms us, shapes us to be more like him for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of others, and for our own growth and and for our own good. Yeah. Yeah, as, as you look at the life of Jesus, let me ask you this. Is there something uh, unique about him, there are a lot of unique things about him, that you kind of appreciate um, above it all? Yes. Uh, it's interesting um, because I know you gave us some questions, and I, I just answered this immediately, kind of tongue-in-cheek, but it's true. What's your favorite thing about Jesus? That he rose from the dead. Um, that is actually because the fact that Jesus rose from the dead is something everyone needs to wrestle with. Did he raise from the, rise from the dead? And if he did, all power and authority has been given to him, and we are to bow down to that power and authority and submission to, to Jesus and see what he's going to do with our life, which is always better than what, what our own plans are. And so... Um, Really, that's it in a nutshell for me about Jesus. I mean, his love, his grace, his incredible reaching out to the broken and the hurting um, are all parts of Jesus' character. But the fact that he backed it up and that uh, the Heavenly Father, our Heavenly Father, backed it up by raising Jesus from the dead and uh, where he sits at the right hand of the Father, as it says in the Creed, that uh, all Christians would... Uh, adhere to um, is pa- causes me to pause, reflect, and say, "Jesus Christ is Lord." Wow! Yeah, that is powerful. Very powerful. Let me transition you over to arts and things that maybe you like to see or read or or listen to. <clears throat> is there a music genre or musician or or maybe you're a book reader and you like the book? So we already talked about one book and one author. Or are you uh, a movie fan that has to see Star Wars or something? No, you know what? I like all all kinds of venues in terms of music, in terms of... uh, But lately I've been reading a lot of nonfiction, uh, going back to World War II, and um, when it's truth is, is better than fiction when you read about some of the people that have sacrificed for us and how it... But for some small circumstances, we could be sitting uh, and speaking German right now 
um, those kind of things and seeing that the uh, valiant people that rose up to work on something and to, and to serve something greater than themselves is a lesson I think we've lost in our culture today. Yeah. And so um, that very much is, is on my mind. If I was going to pick a favorite movie, though, it would probably be the musical Les Mis. Mm. The themes of Les Mis are so incredible about the grace of God changing people's lives. I mean, it's all in there. Um, and I remember right before that, when that movie came out, I thought, you know, I'm going to read that book. Mm. It's a longer book, but it was, <laughs> it was incredible. And when you look at what the conditions were and uh, how people didn't have much hope, but there was hope even in that era uh, and the hope founded in Christ. Mm. Yeah, my wife and I love, <clears throat> excuse me, my wife and I, we really love Les Mis as well. And we just listen to the music over and over again. Yeah, some of the lyrics are just incredible. Yeah. So powerful. Yeah. It gets yeah. me choked up, particularly some of those some of those songs when you really reflect on the the cry to the Lord and mm. that kind of thing. That's it's all in there. It's beautiful. So as long as we're talking about the heart, what what is it that uh elicits uh, deep emotion in you, whether it's joy or sadness or anger, is there something that uh, you could open up that treasure chest and let us know what what uh, really makes you feel? Well, you know, there's there's uh, many forms of weeping, isn't there, Wayne? It's you can weep for joy and you can weep for sorrow, and um, you know, as the scriptures say, weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice. I think oftentimes we can be on one side or the other. It's easy for some to rejoice but not to weep, and some for to weep and not rejoice. And, and my hope and prayer in my life is that I do both. Uh, when I see someone who's hurting and broken, that I can weep with them. Uh, when I see children taken advantage of. But at the same time, when I'm in worship, that tears can come flowing down as well or if i'm looking at a beautiful mountain of which uh i was recently um just as a side note i was uh, on a uh, retreat with some c12ers and we were in colorado and um i'm a journaler and i because of some circumstances of our raft turning over and me losing my journal i felt like god was speaking something to me and it was really speaking something profound like put down your journal and look at my journal, which is all around you. It's the mountains. It's the little flowers. It's everything. God saturates this world with signs of his presence. If we only stop to look, uh, as it says in the scripture, be still and know that I am God. And um, that was speaking directly to me uh, during that episode, which wasn't that long ago is oftentimes we can be so consumed with our project, even in pursuing God, that we forget that God is saying, look up, look up and see me. That almost sounds like the topic of another podcast where, you know, what what is it that uh, that needs to happen for us to take time to open our eyes and open our ears, open our hearts to what God is speaking constantly to us in his creation? And today, Wayne, we are so such a busy culture. Yeah, busyness, even amongst followers of Christ or people who desire to follow Christ, uh, is looked at as a, a real important uh, indicator that I'm important. Um, and yet, it's just the opposite in so many ways in the scriptures: to be still, to slow down, to pause, 
or as one author says, ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And, and, and Jesus reflected that so often in what he did. I mean, an example, Lazarus dies and he's like, yeah, I'll get there in two days. I mean, and everybody's like, why, you know, why wouldn't you hurry? This is, but he had a sense of the father directing him every moment. And um, the older I am, the more I say, Lord, help me to live that unhurried life to demonstrate that others that I might see and hear and be a presence to others versus being in a hurry to get to my next appointment. Dave, thanks so much for pulling back the curtains and letting us look into who Dave is and how you think and feel. Uh, we're going to take a break right now, and then we'll move on to the section about calling. Um, and for our listeners, uh, here's a little bit of how uh, Soul Priority has actually sponsored Work is Calling. Work is Calling is a ministry of Soul Priority that coaches women and men of faith to transform their careers and workplaces with biblical principles and the book Work in the Light that highlights why God created work, shepherd leadership, workplace culture, and the vital importance of a singular God priority. You can find out more about Soul Priority at www.soul-priority.org. That's www.soul-priority.org. Now, back to today's podcast. Welcome back to our listeners. Uh, Dave, now that we've learned a little bit more about you, let's find out uh, how and why you see your work as a calling. Um, yeah, what's behind that story? Was it an epiphany? You know, one day you're reading through the Bible, or did someone talk to you about this, or... Was it something that evolved or grew over time? What's the story behind you coming to that realization? I think it may have grown over time, but there was also something that I feel God just put in my heart even before C12, um, when I was in the insurance industry, that we are all called to ministry. Every person is called um, as Jesus said, many are called, but few are chosen. Jesus calls calls us in the world to follow him no matter what we're doing. And as I've often said to others and often see almost a deer in the headlights look, is like, hey, you know what? You're called to be a minister. You're called to be a minister where you are. All of us are called in that way. And for some reason, we have missed that. So even... When I was in the insurance business, it started evolving over time that it wasn't part-time to be a, a follower of Christ, but it's full-time every moment. As it says in Romans 12, let your life be a sacrifice of praise to the Lord. That's not just on Sunday, it's every day. And so I think that has steadily increased in my life to the point where when I was in the business, everything looked good on paper, but there was something that was gnawing at me um, that there was something else God had. And it sent me on a journey of prayer. And then all of a sudden I found out about C12. I was familiar with the value of a business round table, but not one that also integrated body, soul, and spirit. And that's what C12 does. Yeah, yeah. So what what does it look like in in your um, expression of calling, you know, do you wear a baseball cap that says "I'm called"? 
do you uh, you know you evangelize? Do you pray? Is it a personal thing no one else knows about? Is it something that impacts other people around you? I mean, what what is what are some of the ways it looks? That's a great question um, because I think we often think that means we need to be at the street corner with a bullhorn and make sure everybody knows that uh, they're in trouble if they don't follow Christ. And that's it's in many ways it's the opposite in terms of bringing presence to others. When, when we are following Christ, we bring his presence to wherever we are. And that very presence can often be very minimal words, a lot of listening, but people see something, they hear something, and to be prepared, to be prepared to, to, so often, I remember even in the insurance business, I would be talking to somebody and say, you know, that reminds me of something I was just reading this morning from the scriptures. Um, I prefer to say from the scriptures rather than the Bible, just because people might be turned off initially from that. So a lot of it is language. People don't even know what, the, you know, look at the Bible as some ancient text that has nothing to do with anything. Or I was reading a proverb this morning that is exactly what you're talking about. Because I do believe, you know, it says in the scripture that his word will not return void. It will not return empty. And so anytime I can, if I'm in a conversation, it seems like so often the scripture comes to mind that I can just share with somebody and let God do the rest. Um, but we're planting seeds when we do that. And so um, it is, and that doesn't happen. If I'm not spending time with the Lord, if I'm not filling my life with his word, um, they don't need more of me. They need more of Christ in me. And so um, when that happens, God is doing incredible things. When Christ's presence shows up in divine encounters and providential meetings, um, you just know he's at work. And it, it does remind me of, of one of the things that Rob and my wife and I have that is our mission, is to draw others closer to God. It's a very simple mission statement, to draw others closer to God. But how does that look? And, you know, that can happen every single day. A word of kindness, planting a seed. We, we've tended to get in uh, evangelical Christianity anyway, where we got to close the deal so we feel good about it. When often God wants us to just be planting the seeds, and along the way something else will happen and something else, and it may be a thousand different events that bring someone to, to a deeper relationship with the Lord. And so um, however he wants to use that, I'm good with it. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, I know that's beautiful. That's something that... Uh we could all. It's such an easy thing to do. And, when, and, you know, retrospect, just thinking about that, just planting the seed and others water, but the Lord makes it grow, right? That's exactly right. Uh, Dave, could you, uh, do you have any stories, uh, you know, of course, without, you know, dropping names of specific things that you saw where I mean, God was in that, in this situation at work or C12 or sure. God, you know, Jesus worked through me to do something and, this is what happened. Well, well, one of the interesting things about C12 is our vision is to equip Christian owners and CEOs to build great businesses for a greater purpose. So it, it's it's out there, so it's easy knowing that um, with a vision to change the world by advancing the gospel in the marketplace. So it's out there. What I do is out there. So it's very easy when someone's saying, hey, what do you do? 
very easy to enter into a conversation about that. But as part of C12, not only do we meet as a board um, with the members um, once a month for a whole day, but we also meet in what we call Focus 60s, where we're, I just had a few this morning sitting down with someone, where have you been, where are you going, what are you working on, how can I pray for you, how can I support you? And these are Christian business owners who are no different than anybody I'm talking to. They have as many issues as any of us uh, and and um, struggling to try to find that greater purpose in their life and to be faithful to Christ in it. So uh, anyway, I remember one particularly Focus 60 that stands out because it was... Uh, God doing the impossible. I was with a a uh, C12 member, and we were having our typical Focus 60. He was struggling. The business was struggling. And he just said, you know, I'm, I'm really struggling, but this, there's this scripture from Jeremiah that I'm reflecting, and I feel like God has given it to me. And uh, so he quoted the scripture, which, which I'm paraphrasing here, but it's, you will be like a tree planted by water that yields its fruit in its season and it does not wither even in a season of drought. And he's like, I'm really holding on to to that scripture. And I, I, I was stunned for a moment. I'm like, wait a second. I pull out my journal from that morning that I'd been praying and reflecting on the same scripture, which not only was I reflecting on it, it impressed me enough to write it down and to underline it in yellow in my 99 cent journal. Um, the new journal? The, the, the new journal, yes. So this, this, and this happened a while back, but, but, uh, and, and I just said, you know what? This scripture is for you. I said, God is confirming that he is going to take care of you in this season. And here, I mean, you know, how does that happen? How many verses are in the Bible? Wayne, you would know better than I, but I mean, what are the chances that we'd be in the book of Jeremiah, no less? And there was no common reason why we would have been, we weren't reflecting on the same type of morning meditations or anything. So it just, again, reminded me is be prepared Ask God to use you in the morning, that you can be an open book for him, and amazing things will happen. And that's just one. There, there's so many stories of transformation and of impact and asking a question. You don't even know why you ask it, and all of a sudden it impacts someone at their core. So um, it can happen to any of us. That can happen to any of us if we just have that attitude. God, would I be your vehicle today? Yeah, before we uh, began recording, we talked about uh, a verse from Ephesians that uh, really says that uh, God has prepared the work that we have just to walk in, not even to work in. And he's been really waiting for us to come on the scene, literally to be born, to come to faith, and, and so that we could partner with him in what he's doing. And um, well, it sounds like one of those situations. What? Uh, let me ask you this. Um, I mean, this... Another way of of looking at what you just suggested is that you really sense the presence of God. Talk, talk to uh, our listeners about um, that sense. When do you? How have you sensed the presence of God and realized, oh my goodness, I am right where He wants me? I think many times it's after the fact. <laughs> you know, it's not in the moment necessarily, but it's like just stepping back. 
Uh, and every so often I get a glimpse of that, even around our C12 table, where we have Christian business owners, and I'm looking at the interaction, and I'm like, how is it that I get to have a front row seat to see people who are desiring to serve others, to show the love of Christ to others, to grow their businesses for a reason that's not just about lining their pockets with more money, but having a greater purpose in mind. How is it I get to do this? Um, so all I can say is it's interesting when I talk to people about it and at the season I'm in now, which is 13 years into this, um, it, it's a hard work. You're, you're looking for a needle in a haystack in many cases, someone that's wanting to grow and is a business owner and is their faith component is very important. But uh, when that ingredients comes together, it's an amazing thing. You know, when I was in business, um, you know, it, it was a global community uh, in the toy industry, and um, many people had different faith systems. Some had no faith system. That was their faith system. Uh, and I remember one fellow, I used to have a little uh, message on my um, voicemail if I didn't pick up. And it was real, real simple. And this guy would say, yeah, when I call you and you're not there, I don't know if I should get down to my desk and kneel down or what, you know. But uh, it was it was a nice way of just saying that, um, you know, <laughs> stay out of my life with your faith. Do you right. get, do you ever sense resistance? Do you ever sense pushback? Uh, how do you, how would you handle that or how have you handled that? So rarely has that happened. Hmm. When you're approaching someone in a non-confrontational way, it's disarming. And um, Jesus was that way, wasn't he? He was never pushing his way into someone's life. Right. He, he was always invitational. Come and see. Yeah. And so it's kind of what my approach is. Or if I'm even, you know, reaching out to people and someone happens not to be a believer, I'll just like, or just say, hey, leave me alone. Or sometimes it'll be a little more uh, verbose in what they feel. I'll just be as gracious as I know how to be and just say, hey, I'm sorry, you know, blessings to you. Um, because, you know, that's that's the example the Lord set and, and in such a greater way than I can do. Yeah, and Peter talks about uh, with gentleness and reverence. Yes. And boy, those two are character qualities, values that are few and far between. They seem to be lost a bit today, don't yeah, they, yeah, Wayne? they sure do. So how do you fuel yourself? I mean, how do you stay engaged, you know, so that, you know, I wake up in the morning and it's not like, oh, I, you know, oh, yeah, that's right. I was going to do this in the Lord today, you know. Um, I'm going, I'm partnering with God. What is it, are there practices or you, are there things that, that keep you engaged, that keep you uh, alert and aware and excited about, you know, work is calling? Well, there's several things I think. I, I think of the first thing is intentionality, being intentional. When we get up in the morning before I'm out of bed to uh, even be praying, Lord, or thinking about the day and praying over those things that I'm going to be involved in that I know I'm going to be involved in during the day. And um, and also spending time with the Lord and, and the Word. Journaling is something that I... Um, is, is a way that I do it. Um, but also one of the rhythms that I've gotten into lately with my wife has been something called Lexio 365. It's not everyone's cup of tea, but it's just really worked so well for us. It's a 10, 
10 minute or so reflection i think it's by the church of england or some 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 uh, brits um but number one when someone with that britain accent is quoting a scripture somehow it seems more spiritual to me i don't know. <laughs> yeah. but i i we have loved it and it it one of the first things it starts out with virtually every day is at this moment, I'm going to regather my scattered senses to focus on God. And what's so funny, that's so appropriate for me, because by the time I even get over 20 steps or go down to my office, um, my my senses are scattered. And I'm like, no, I need to regather and focus on God and reflect on his word. And And it's even a bigger blessing that many, many times my wife does it with me. Yeah, that's, uh, I'm going to have to take a look at that. Is that an app? It is. Yeah. Not only that, Wayne, it's a free app. Oh, <laughs> you've got my Polish going there. It's free. That's awesome. So, Dave, I, I know we talked about, you know, looking at uh, work as calling as, as something that, um, you know, benefits others. You're working as a partner with, with Christ uh, to bless others, to have an impact on others. But what does is and if there is what what is it that work is calling? How does it benefit you? I mean, does it does it bring you strength or perseverance or joy or you know how has it impacted you? That's a great question, and I'm not sure I look at the benefits as much as the uh, when you're in the zone of what you've been called to do and you have a sense of the calling. Uh, is what we call the greater greater purpose. Um, it makes all the difference. So I even see with CEOs who have experienced it all, they're getting bored and they're just wondering, what what is this about? And when they start looking at the fact you've been called to do this, not only have you been called to do this, you're to steward this. You're to be a steward. And you will be assessed on being a steward. And how have you done with what you've been given? And even if it's a CEO with a, a foundation and they're giving to charity and everything else, Perhaps they're neglecting their own customers, their own employees, their own vendors, where there's so much room to be hands and feet and an influence to advance the gospel in the marketplace, to advance Christ's love to others, and to be part of that chain that is so important that we reflect and be salt and light in this world. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You know, you touched on this a little bit, and I'd like to come back to it, but you talked about uh, work being worship. I mean, you know, we, we have a pretty sometimes tight idea of what worship looks like being Western Christians. You know, you go to church and we sing. Explain a little bit what do you mean by work is worship and how how is it worshipful? Well, it reminds me again at Romans 12, 1 says that, that your whole life be a sacrifice of worship to the Lord, whether you're working, whether you're playing, whether you're with the family, whether you're whatever you're doing that uh, when you start looking at everything we do is to be an instrument of love and peace to others, um, it makes all the difference. So I don't know if that answers your question or not. But Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's just interesting because I don't think we often think of work and worship in the same sentence. Well, we, you're, you're right about that. We look at worship. Did you worship this week? Yes. Meaning one hour uh, on a Sunday. Or a part of that one hour. Versus, <laughs> versus your life to be an act of worship 24-7 is what we're really called to be. And um, what a difference that would make if it wasn't one hour a week, but it was all week. 
Yeah, you can imagine worshiping people um, in your relationships or even in your arguments, worshiping God, you know. But it would really have a a huge impact on how you processed and, you know, uh, executed things. And to your point, I'm still a work in progress. You know, I think we all are. Mm-hmm. I see that in working with seasoned professionals um, that there's always something to grow into. And all of our life were to be formed and shaped like Christ for the sake of others. And that's a lifelong journey. And so there's always those areas that can be refined and shaped to be more like Christ. So kind of another quick question, last one before I throw you the softball, just to talk about any of your own personal insights that you would like to share with everybody, is uh, you're fortunate because you're in C12, so you're with a lot of uh, uh, leaders and executives, uh, owners of businesses who are actively trying to uh, marinate and and, and spice up their, their business world with their relationship with Jesus Christ, so to speak. Um, but apart from that, have you met others in the workplace, you know, when you're in the insurance business or, um, that were people that, that had that sense that work was a calling? Uh, did you, have you run into people apart from C12 or is it kind of few and far between or what's your experience? Oh, I have, um, some remarkable people doing remarkable things. And one thing about C12, I just look at, we're just one little piece, Um, hopefully a significant piece, but um, there's so many people that are out there just day in and day out, living their life as an act of of worship to God, as an act of service to others. Um, Some I know about, some I don't, but some that have even helped mentor some of our C12 members in areas that they may not be as efficient in. Uh, in terms of of how do I minister to my people, uh, my employees, um, how do I be more Christ-like, what do I need to refine? So they're they're out there. We just don't see it on the front page because most of the people, you know, one of the aspects is humility. Most of the people aren't there to advertise how good they are if they're really following Christ. Um, But just let their light shine in such a way that others may see their good works and glorify God in heaven, as it says in the scripture. Yeah, amen, amen. So we've come to the softball question, which is basically, you know, you've you've been around, you've been in business, uh, you have life experiences. Uh, what's one last bit of advice or wisdom or insight that you would just like to share with everybody and to make sure that you conveyed that and that they heard it and they could add it to their either repertoire or their their um yeah to their their wisdom that they've been gathering themselves well one piece i think about is to slow down um if we slow down to see and to hear we don't have to look across the seas for mission work it's all around us the needs are so great all around us and today People are looking for a purpose in life. There's a great despair going on in our culture. And so anybody who's looking to have an influence in a way, they're, they're, it's all over. It's all in front of us. It's all around us. We don't have to look far. We just have to be present with a hope and a, and a uh, 
request that God will use us wherever we're at. Yeah, thanks so much, Dave. I, I really appreciate spending this time with you. I I loved hearing, actually, it's amazing to hear how uh, your conversation is filled with Scripture, and uh, whether it's just alluded to or actually quoted directly, uh, I just uh, it's very calming, very peaceful to hear that. Your voice also has that capacity to, to do that. The men and women who you engage at C12 are, are really blessed uh, to have you as a friend and as a companion on their journeys. Uh, thanks, Wayne. I have to say I'm blessed to have you as a friend. Yeah, thanks. Thank you so much. And uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Again, this has been another episode of Work is Calling. This has been another episode of Work is Calling, a ministry of soul priority that coaches women and men of faith how to transform their careers and workplace through biblical principles. You can find out more at www. Dot soul-priority.org. We hope you join us again next time for another interview of an individual who has discovered work is calling.